Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome into the Maze and Brew post-game show. Michigan football post-game recap here on, as I just said, Maze and Brew. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Broom, and a little bit of a disclaimer here before we get into this first show. So Trevor Woods and I uh, recorded a post-game podcast after the game, uh, late at night. We stayed a little bit later to do it, and in post-production, I go back and check the audio, and something happened. Something very bad happened. So it is currently 3.17 in the morning. I just got home from Ann Arbor. And I'm going to re-record it and, and kind of go through some of the takeaways. It'll basically sort of be an audio um, companion piece to my takeaways piece that debuted after the game. So bear with me here. But So let's get into it. Uh, and one other thing, because Trevor is not here right now, do me a favor. Follow Trevor on Twitter at Woods Football. Tweet him and says that say something that says, Anthony loves you, we love you, Mason Brew loves you. Show my guy Trevor Woods some love. Uh so, all right, let's get into it. Michigan football made its long-awaited debut uh, for the 2019 season on Saturday night. You know, it's one of those things where uh, the anticipation from the offseason, this has been, in a lot of ways to me, the most annoying offseason of Michigan football because of some of the off-field takes and some of the narratives around Jim Harbaugh and the transfer stuff, whatever. Michigan's changed its offense, and overall, I mean, I, I know it was it was frustrating. It was sloppy at times. A forty to twenty one win. Uh, obviously, Michigan was favored big. Uh, they were favored by thirty four. Over under was set at fifty four. So a late garbage time touchdown from Middle Tennessee put things over the edge there. But 
Um, overall, I think I can't say it was a step in the right or wrong direction. I just think it's the first step. Um, you know, it was sloppy, like we said before. May have been expected given that the team is is super young and they're breaking in a new offense and had to replace so many guys. I'm not shocked by that at all. Uh, I think despite it being sloppy and, and social media sometimes we treat as an echo chamber, so it's not always completely reflective of what people think and what opinions may be. But I think all things considered, this was a pretty... This was a, I won't say it's a very positive start. I think that this was a good start for Michigan. I think we learned a lot about where this football team is starting out this year. And now what you look at is you want a team to get better week by week and things like that. So uh, now that a football game has been played, the bar has been set, we sort of know what the baseline is and, and what needs to improve moving forward. So let's go through it here. So obviously to me, and really to most Michigan fans or, or followers of the program, the biggest thing that we were going to learn out of this first game was what is this Josh Gaddis offense going to look like? Obviously the first year coordinator comes over to Michigan from Alabama. Jim Harbaugh gives him the keys to the offense. Expect things to little be a little bit more up-tempo, a little less death by a million paper cuts, a little more let's get to the ball, let's get the ball to our playmakers. Let's be a little bit more of an attacking offense. And really, outside of the speed and space hashtag, we didn't really know what this was going to look like. Uh, Saturday night's game, when you go back and watch the film, and again, as of this recording, I've only seen the game as we saw it live. So I haven't gone back and watched it yet. But I think the change in philosophy, despite some of the things we saw that may have been concerning, I think it's already pretty evident. And I think what we saw right off the bat was the run pass options, a lot of those buzzwords, the speed and space, run pass options, uh, the quick slants, shots down the field. It feels like we saw more of that tonight than we've ever seen with Michigan football. And at the half, Michigan football had 25 pass attempts and only 16 attempts rushing. There's never been a season in Michigan football history where they've had um, more pass attempts than rushing attempts. And I'd have to imagine... There probably aren't many halves of football in general in Michigan's long and storied history where they did throw the ball as much as they did in the second half. Um, I thought with speed and space being the moniker, obviously that means you want to get your playmakers the ball in space. And you were down a very important playmaker tonight. Donovan Peoples-Jones did not play. And we'll talk about injuries here in a moment. But I thought maybe we'd see some more crossing routes, maybe some screens. Um... But I think overall what we saw was pretty good. Shea Patterson, until I think right before halftime or somewhere around the half, he took a shot to the ribs. And that clearly, to me, he was favoring something a little bit. The throws were a little off kilter. And I think that's where we'll talk about Dylan McCaffrey and, and sort of the quarterback there will be here in a bit. I think that's where, that's where things started to level off a bit in the second half. But when Michigan... Let's just call it what it is. They struggled to start this game. Uh, Patterson, right off the bat, fumbles on the first play of the game. And really, there was some kind of goofy... I won't say the play calling wasn't terrible. And I actually thought there were some interesting play designs here. But when they went to the two-quarterback thing, where and, and we knew at some point in this game we were going to see both quarterbacks play. We didn't know if that was going to be they were going to split time under center or if they were going to be on the field at the same time. They wound up being on the field at the same time a few times. And to me, 
we'll call it what it is. It, it was gimmicky, and I think it was maybe not a distraction, but it was a momentum killer of the you know they didn't really have it didn't do much for them early on at all. Um, Dylan McCaffrey was out w- at wide receiver. They did some jet sweep type things. Um, listen, Dylan McCaffrey is might be one of the top four or five most athletic guys on this entire roster. And I can appreciate them wanting to make an effort to get him the ball more. But, um, you know, really, I think that once they cut that stuff out, they kind of were like, you know what? Middle Tennessee can't guard our wide receivers. They can't guard Tariq Black. They can't guard Nico Collins. Let's start to air this thing out a little bit. I think that's where the floodgates in the first half started to open a little bit. Um, You know, with Donovan Peoples-Jones out of the game already, there was a little bit of a brief scare where Tariq Black went back to the locker room right before halftime, and we didn't see Nico Collins for a bit. Uh, but they were back out there in the second half, so there were no real concerns there. Passing game, I thought things went pretty well there. Uh, Shea Patterson's final line, uh, at one point he was at the half, I think he was 16 for 25. Uh, he finished the game 17 for 29, um, 203 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And... and you know you can you can put what you want into that. Uh, I think a lot of the big plays that they hit, they can't really. Middle Tennessee wasn't going to be able to guard those guys. But it is if there is anything to take away out of it is that you know you had three guys score touchdowns from pretty far out in. Oh, well, let me pull it up here. Um, Sean McEwen had a 28 yard touchdown. Nico Collins had a 28 yard touchdown. Tariq Black had a 36 yard touchdown. Those were your three big passing game plays for the game. And to have three guys that can do that, uh, one of which was a tight end, and eventually you're going to get, you know, Ronnie Bell almost had one. It was kind of a rough night for him. Only two catches on seven targets. A couple drops here and there. Uh, The one was almost a touchdown at Shea Patterson. It was just a little bit too long for him, and it went off of his fingertips. Um, I expect him to be a pretty big part of this moving forward. But, uh, you know, it's nice that you have those big play type of guys. And then you're going to add DPJ back to that at some point. So things are pretty good there. As far as the rushing attack goes, um, it's weird to say, but we probably could have seen more of it. I I think the run game, they showed some signs of some really good things. But, excuse me, um, they didn't do as much of it as, as we're used to seeing, which I know people wanted to see Michigan pass the ball more and run the ball a little bit less. But I don't think we were expecting it, the passing game to truly be at the forefront. What what interesting times these are to be a Michigan fan. It, it's almost like this must be what it felt like when the forward pass was invented in general. Like these, this is, they're actually doing it. They're actually doing what we said they needed to do. Um, true freshman Zach Charbonnet, Fan favorite already got quite a pop when he was uh, he was he started he was the starter at running back Zach Charbonnet had a nice night uh, in a 41 yard rush eight rushes for 90 yards on the evening he also added a couple of catches uh, Zach Charbonnet to me checked off all the boxes and you know we saw the big play ability we saw him catch the ball in the backfield he runs tough he's not a burner but man oh man like he does run tough and he is a He's a freight train to bring down. I'll give him that. Um, so I liked what we saw there. Christian Turner was actually the leading, uh, in terms of attempts, the leading rusher on the night. 11 rushes for 49 yards. And True Wilson, only two rushes uh, for eight yards. Uh, it's, he was kind of working through something, to use a Harbaugh term. Um, 
his hand was kind of wrapped up after the game. I saw him um, walking back up to the press box, uh, a little bit banged up, but I think what you're seeing from him, and he's, he's probably, True Wilson to me looks like that complimentary back that he's probably best suited to be. So, um, you know, shout out to Zach Char- Charbonnet and Christian Turner. I think those guys look pretty good, all things considered. Um, uh, Christian Turner is kind of a sleeper to me. He, he, in a lot of ways, when you look at his build, the way he runs, he's a lot like Karan Higdon. I think he might have a little bit more bounce to him, uh, but I think he's going to be a really good player. So, uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, Nick Eubanks too. Uh, we talked about how he was looking for his blocking, or they wanted his blocking to improve this off season. Um, it has improved substantially. And I know he's been watching tape on Irv Smith from Alabama. I thought things looked pretty good for him. And I, I, I would be interested in seeing if, I, I think he had a drop on the night too. So be interested in seeing how his role develops in this offense as well. So let's go back to quarterback roulette for a second. Uh, I completely understand Michigan feeling like they have two terrific athletes at quarterback. You want to get them on the field because they're too good to not play. I totally get that. Uh, and I think that in a way I have to go back and watch the game. A few of those plays where they were on the field at the same time, I think you might sort of have something there and a little bit of a wrinkle. Um, but honestly, I don't think it's all that worthwhile. And it didn't really seem like that was the case on Saturday night either. The problem I have with, you know, for as athletic as Dylan McCaffrey is, if you bring him onto the field with Shea Patterson on the field, and that comes at the expense of having a, a Ronnie Bell or a Mike Sainer still out there or Cornelius Johnson who had a catch on the night um, or some of the other guys, like to me, that's that's a wasted snap in my opinion. Um, I think anytime you're taking playmakers off the field for a gimmicky play and something that were I think it might wind up being a little bit predictable where, you know, sort of like the Jabril Pepper stuff was when he was playing offense. That bothers me. Um, now, I mentioned that Patterson was sort of working through something with the ribs. Uh, he did get treatment in the locker room at halftime, and, and Harbaugh had said after the game that uh, they brought in McCaffrey for some of the designed quarterback runs just to, like, they don't want to – Shea Patterson is too important to just kind of run to the ground this early on in the year. So – um, but honestly, most of the time when those two guys were on the field together, uh, it felt like something that was overthought and it was kind of a momentum killer. Um, it, it wasn't the staff's intent to reignite the social media controversy or debate about who should be Michigan's starting quarterback. Um, but it did sort of, and I still don't really understand that. Uh, even when you look at the passing stats, um, Dylan McCaffrey threw two passes on, on Saturday night for 17 yards. Now, he did run the ball fairly well, eight rushes for 42 yards and the touchdown. Uh, we know he can run, but I think when you look at the two players, to me, Shea Patterson is is more of the dual threat that you want him to, that, that they need out of the quarterback position. I think he has, you know, he might not be Trevor Lawrence or, or Tua down in Alabama, but I, he has insane amount of arm talent and, and um, when he has time to throw and, and can kind of do his thing, I actually thought the reads are pretty good tonight too. He showed last year when he started running that read option that he could make some smart reads with the football. And I think he did that um, with some of the RPOs that we saw. Um, to me, I, I think that debate is just kind of social media fodder. Um, I don't understand people who think that uh, I think Dylan McCaffrey is going to be very good when his time comes, but 
you know, all we've seen is that the guy can run real fast. And we know how the quarterback thing goes, going all the way back to Henson and Brady. Like, the guy who's the backup is always going to be, you know, essentially the prom king of this operation. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'd be interested in seeing how Shea Patterson responds next week, uh, assuming that he's healthy. So um, I still think it's his job, and, and they might do some of the gimmicky stuff, but I wouldn't put too much stock into, you know, if nothing else, McCaffrey's going to keep pushing him. And the way I see it, I mean, if McCaffrey does supplant him, that's good news because your, your best quarterback's going to play. So um, I thought Shea Patterson was fine on, on Saturday night. Offensive line, a uh, little bit of a monkey wrench into the plans for tonight. Uh, John Running Jr. did not play. Um, so Ryan Hayes got the start at left tackle. We knew that Andrew Stuber, he's out for the year with the torn ACL. Jalen Mayfield got the start on the right side. Um, at times, especially I thought a little bit early on, I thought this group struggled a little bit. Uh, as the game went on, I, I saw Ryan Hayes get more comfortable. Uh, but to start the game, to me, it just kind of looked like he was out there. Um, Mayfield, as athletic as he is, really both of those tackles they have are extremely athletic. Um, but Mayfield on the right side and uh, Mike Onwenu had a little bit of trouble. Um, blitz blitz pickups for a few of the backs were problematic at times. Not for Zach Charbonnet. I thought he did a really good job. True Wilson did an awesome job um, on one of the touchdown throws. He got beat pretty soundly off the snap, but but stuck to it and gave Shea Patterson enough time to kind of make a play. Um, you know, overall, just like any other unit on this team, things are going to have to be a little bit tightened up. Uh, they're going to have to clean up the penalties. But there's no reason to think that this isn't one of the best offensive lines in the country or has the potential to be. Now, like I said, as is the case with a few other position groups, their depth is being tested early on with some of the injuries. Um, but Shea Patterson had a lot of time to throw. Um, pocket was clean for the most part. There are a couple of botched things here and there, but that was kind of emblematic of the team as in general. So, well, as we continue to roll through our preview here, uh, I'm going to take a quick break. That's about all I have on on the offensive side of the ball. Take a quick break here, and we will come back and discuss defense here. And then wrap up with some final thoughts here on the Maze and Brew Post Game Show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we are back here on Maze and Brews Michigan Football Post Game Show. After a 40-21 to win over Middle Tennessee, 
I am Anthony Broom of Maze and Brew. So we just talked about the offense and, and everything that we saw there. Don't have as many takeaways about the defense, uh, but I, I will we'll run through a few things here, and then I'll give you my final thoughts before we close this out. So I think maybe the biggest concern about this defense coming into the season was going to be the quarterback position. The cornerback position, excuse me. Um, you lose David Long early to the NFL. We know Lavert Hill is good. He's an All-American type of player, All-Big Ten type of player. But then Ambry Thomas has the the colitis thing he deals with, and then you're looking at Vincent Gray as you know a redshirt freshman that's going to be thrown into action. Not only did you know, we we had heard whispers, and Jim Harbaugh had hinted there's a chance that Ambry Thomas could play this week. I didn't expect him to. It sounded like that he needed to put some more weight on, and he might even still need to put some more weight on uh, after you know anyone who knows anything about colitis. That's um, it's, it's rough to deal with, and you lose a bit of weight, and it's it's a nightmare. Google it. It's horrible. So I didn't know when he'd be back. I kind of figured we might not see him until after the bye week, but not only did he play on Saturday night, he started. He started opposite Levert Hill, and, and I think the argument can be made. Um, he's the best player on the field uh, on Saturday night. He had an interception. Uh, he was in on a, a fumble. He had a fumble recovery, so he had a hand in two turnovers. Um, Ambry Thomas looked extremely ready to go and, and he might physically have some things he's still working through and, and maybe his diet might change a little bit. Uh, but Ambry Thomas played really well and he showed right off the bat why he's so important to the defense. I mean, to have Lavert Hill, like, like I said, Lavert Hill is Lavert Hill, but to have a guy with the playmaking ability of Thomas on the other side, um, you know, it's just a cool, it was just cool to see that play out like that for him. Um, really a nice moment that I think the team sort of rallied around too. Uh, his potential replacement, Vincent Gray, we still saw him play quite a bit. And there were a few times early in the game where he struggled to kind of get his head around and look for the ball. But I think overall, he was in pretty good position to make plays. And um, I thought he was one of the standout players of the game on that side of the ball as well. Like I said, it wasn't perfect. Uh, but I think when you look at the cornerback group, now that Ambry Thomas is presumably healthy, uh, Vincent Gray played pretty well as a red for, redshirt freshman. Uh, I think, again, it's one game. It's Middle Tennessee. But it's good to know that those guys those guys can play. Um, so I don't think the cupboard is bare there. And I don't think it's as big a concern that we maybe thought it was coming into this game. I'll tell you what might be, though. And that's defensive line depth. We had heard a lot coming into the season how... Um, this is a group that can go nine or 10 deep and you're going to see them rotate guys in and out. Um, although when the game was competitive on Saturday night, we didn't see a lot of rotating. Uh, and a lot of that may have, you know, like I said before, Donovan Jeter didn't play. Michael Dwumfor, uh had something that he was dealing with after the early part of the game. So Ben Mason played a defensive tackle next to Carlo Kemp and he played a lot. Like I, I have to go back and watch, but um, he played quite a bit. And I thought that he played pretty well i mean his burst off the snap of the ball like he's already a crazy person but the burst is the burst is terrific uh, i think you have something there um aiden hutchinson quitty play uh we didn't know who was going to get the, the starts on the ends but those guys those two guys did and for the most part everyone played really well um again little mistakes here and there uh that will need to be cleaned up uh I think one of my favorite things that I saw was what they're sort of calling the NASCAR package where you've got a front that includes 
Mike Dana, who I thought played pretty well, the Central Michigan grad transfer, another end who's in that rotation. You have him in a lineup with Quidipe, Aiden Hutchinson, and Joshua Uche, who slides down from strong side linebacker. Um, that is going to be a pain to deal with uh, for for opposing offenses to have to account for. Uh, I think you're going to see quite a bit of that. I really, I think overall, um, the position group, I like the talent there, uh, but I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more Mozzie Smith or Chris Hinton, and we didn't, uh, which was sort of a letdown because it seemed like they had a decent amount of hype going into um, heading into the season. But uh, you know, maybe it's one of those things where we'll see more of them with each passing week. So in general, uh, I, I didn't really have this written down in the rundown, but I'll talk about it anyways. Uh, Josh Ross played pretty well at linebacker. I still have some concerns about their sideline to sideline speed, but um, like I said, Uche got the start of the strong side. Josh Ross was in the middle. And then Jordan Glasgow, who was one of the, um, I can't say he was an unsung hero of the game. He was one of the better players in this game for Michigan. Uh, starting at the Will linebacker, had two sacks on the night. Um, I don't know where these Glasgow's keep coming from, but hopefully there are more in the pipeline. There has to be. Um, like I said, still a little concerned about lo- the linebacker position. I think that's the one I still might have the most questions ab- about, but um, all things considered, played pretty well on um, on Saturday night. So in general, um, kind of tying both sides of the ball together and some little odds and ends here quickly. Um, Lavert Hill with Donovan Peoples-Jones out did take punts. He did fumble a punt, which led to a turnover, which led to a Middle Tennessee touchdown. That was it for him there. Ronnie Bell would replace him. And then at kick returner, Giles Jackson and Mike Barrett were the two guys that were out there. So uh, Giles Jackson, a true freshman, a guy who some people have sort of compared to Dennis Norfleet in terms of a small, speedy guy who makes an impact on special teams. Maybe we see him on offense at some point as well, especially if you know there would wind up being injuries there uh, at the wide receiver position. But you know those guys, the, I thought that for the most part, returners played pretty well. Will Hart is the punter, and you know, arguably the best punter in the Big Ten. What else can you say about that? Uh, Dax Hill got some run on special teams. Didn't see a ton of him on at uh, playing safety, but. Uh, he did flash his speed off on, on, I believe, I'd have to go back and watch. I think he was the gunner on, on the punt team. So uh like to see that there. Jake Moody and Quinn Nordine kind of both, they both played, and they both seemed like to sort of alternate field goals and extra points all night. So they were, no one missed a kick. So uh, that battle rages on. I guess they'll have to figure that out there. Uh, but, yeah, that was kind of, uh, while we're there, just special team stuff real quick. Okay. Sloppy play in general. So, like I said before, Michigan was sloppy on Saturday night. And and the question becomes, how big of a concern is that? I think it is both a concern and not a concern at the same time. Ideally, you want to dominate as best you can in every phase of the game. Um, yeah, you'd love to see them win 70-3 to or, or things like that. Um I don't know if we would have learned much about this team if they didn't struggle a bit tonight, though. That's it's kind of just a gut feeling I have, and maybe I'm if you think I'm shilling for the program, that's fine, I guess. I don't think that's true. I think it, I'm being pretty objective here, but um, you know, would you like to see him dominate every single facet of the game? Sure, 
But this is a young team and a somewhat inexperienced team that is still learning a new offense and you're breaking in new players on defense. Maybe they're just not ready for that yet. And maybe they'll be more ready for it next week. I would hope they would. I mean, there's a lot of things that they're going to have to go back on film and watch and correct. I, I think there's a chance that even if they had played this game at noon or 3.30, I think the nerves would still be there. But the night game at the big house, the atmosphere, I could see how that, from a human perspective, I can see how that would have played into it a bit. Um, who knows? I, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's kind of like, to me, it's a lot easier to explain away why a blowout doesn't matter as opposed to a game where maybe it was a little bit closer and there were concerns and it was sloppy. Um, it's harder to make excuses about that. And there aren't really many excuses. Um, you know, like I said, in the vacuum of a single game against a team that Middle Tennessee was never going to win this game. Like It was never in doubt, even when they had a brief lead at the start of the game. Um, you know, that can all, that can sort of be written off as a team not being totally ready to play and you know maybe just a little bit rusty to start the year. I get that. That's not going to be acceptable moving forward. Not for this team, not for a team that has Big Ten and college football playoff aspirations. Because I'll be honest with you, like I did not see a Big Ten champion play on Saturday night. I did not play a, see a Big Ten East champion play on Saturday night. Um, I don't even know if I saw a team that can go to Madison in two weeks and win a game play on Saturday night. Especially, I think Wisconsin might be a little bit better than we thought they were uh, when you see what they did to USF the other night. Jonathan Taylor is the real deal, though. I still like that matchup for them, but we'll see what happens. Um, good teams, great teams, get one of these a year, one, maybe two of these a year in 12 regular season football games. So if this is a good football team, This will not be a pattern for them. We're going to find out if they're a good football team or not. Uh, It was a problem. They had a lot of problems on Saturday night. Um, That goes to the players, the coaches, some of the boneheaded offensive calls. We're still kind of there. We'll see what happens with that. I think uh, Jim Harbaugh had said after the game, they ran most of what they've been practicing in this game. So we have a pretty good feel for the stuff this offense has been working on now. I'm sure there are a few wrinkles they left in or out. Uh, my advice to them, there's some things you need to pare down or just get rid of in general. And there's some things that you need to, uh, maybe expand upon it and, and go from there. Um, I think you can already sort of see the things developing on what this team can do really, really well. Um, I think despite more, a more up-tempo offense, when you look at this running game, I, th- I still think they're kind of built to play a little more downhill. So that's why I like what Zach Charbonnet brings to the table. Uh, as opposed to like a true Wilson or, or even to a certain extent, Christian Turner, he's a bowling ball. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, I'll be honest with you. And I may have said this before already. I think I said it on Twitter during the game. If this was, you know, 2018 Wolverines, 2016 Wolverines, this is probably a game they win like 55 to 10 and run for like 450 yards and not really show much in the passing game or any of that. Um, like I said before, they probably could have run the ball a lot more on Saturday. Uh, and they still did run the ball quite a bit. I mean, they finished the game with 45 rushing attempts. They had 33 pass attempts. So um, water found its level for what Michigan is in a big way uh, by the time this game was over. So, um, again, still think we're going to see them, all things considered, run the ball like we're used to seeing them run the ball, especially late-game situations where they're trying to close out the clock.
So I think when they came into this, into this game with a bit of a checklist, I think there were certain things they wanted to try and do offensively. And a lot of it worked. A lot of it also didn't work and needs to be uh, thrown out immediately, honestly. Um, despite a lot of the sloppy things that we saw, and, and we're kind of into my final thoughts here now, uh, a lot of what I saw on the field on Saturday night was, was totally correctable. And as is the case with a lot of Michigan setbacks in recent years, the only thing that seems to be holding them back is themselves, at least through one week. There's not a single thing I saw in terms of penalties, muff punts, turnovers, sloppy play, arm tackles that they can't fix. And and I, I tend to think they will fix, um, even with themselves, the play calling. Uh, I think they're going to go back and watch this film and, and see some pretty silly stuff, especially when it comes to that two-quarterback thing. Um, they got to get that figured out. You got to – I just really don't like that. Maybe I'm boring. I don't know. Um they were amped up to play, and you know, mental mistakes like that, though, against superior teams, as we've seen, are, are going to hurt them. So overall, uh, like I said, despite all of this, I think their goals are still there as long as they stay healthy. The depth was tested a little bit on Saturday night. Um, little Some concerns here and there, but I think the pieces are all there. I think the coaching is all there. Uh, when I look at this offensive overhaul, I think – and I hate to bring rivals into this, but it kind of is just kind of where this this conversation is at right now. When you look at a team like Michigan State, who struggled offensively this offseason, or, well, they struggled because they didn't fire any of their coaches or change anything other than their positions. When you look at a team like Michigan State, who struggled on offense on Friday night, they struggled in doing things that they've been doing for years. And yet, there was a few more RPOs in there in Michigan State's offense they were a little more up-tempo, but for the most part, they are what they've always been. And I don't know what the tra- the upward trajectory is for them. I'm pretty confident with Michigan, now that we've kind of seen what we think this offense is going to be, it's there. Like, the, the, the philosophy, I think it works. I think they have the players to run what they ro- want to run. They just need to kind of figure out... I think they know what their identity is, but I think they need to just sharpen things up a little bit more. And it takes time. Like when you go from the type of offense they've run under Jim Harbaugh to, you know, not that it's up-tempo big 12 style of football, but it's different and it takes time. Like some things you just can't correct until you have game reps. So um, at least with Michigan, their struggles on offense. And let's not forget, like they still put up 40 points on the night. So all is not, it's not like they were totally anemic. Um, but I think the things that worked really well are things that are only going to get better, honestly. Um, so I, I think I'm excited to see that moving forward. I'm ex- I think fans are excited to see it. Things are going to get a little bit, uh, you know, quite a bit tougher next week at Army, which they run the triple option. They're coming to Michigan Stadium. I think that Michigan in the offseason has prepared a little bit more for Army than they did um, for this game that they played on Saturday night. Um, but now they have a week of practice to go back, figure it out, and try to build on what was overall, I think, a step in the right direction for this program. Uh, the philosophy is there. I think they're going to see when they go back and watch the film and see some of the changes in philosophy, um, situational football that maybe they're handling a little bit differently offensively. I think they're going to be pretty happy with the results and excited to kind of build it moving forward. So, um, 
that's going to be it for us after a 40-21 to 21 win uh, for Michigan over Middle Tennessee. They're 1-0 on the year. They got the win. It was sloppy, uh, but it's football. It's back. It's, it's good to be back. And uh, like I said, we're going to be doing these post-game shows all throughout the year. And, and the next one, I definitely will have Trevor with me um, again. Please send some love that guy's way. Um, we had a long day uh, down there in Ann Arbor. And as I wrap this up, it's about 3.50 in the morning here uh, in the state of Michigan. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can follow our website on social media at Maze and Brew on Twitter. Maze and Brew SBN on Instagram. Follow, uh, the, follow and give us a like on the Facebook page at Maze and Brew uh, as well. Maze Brew Podcast, uh, Monday through Friday shows uh, every week. Uh, probably will wind up taking Monday off because of the holiday, but if you get a show, you get a show. Maybe we throw a little bonus episode in there. Um, Monday through Friday, we're doing our podcast. Uh, schedule Schedule's up on the website. You can check it out. I'll be back on the air on Tuesday with Brewcast, so we're excited for that. Uh, always good to get back with my guys, Luke and Chris. Um So, yeah, we'll be back this week with our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your shows. We're on Spotify. Listen, give us feedback, subscribe, five-star review. Uh, Hey, leave a one-star review. If it's something that will make us do better, uh, we want to do better. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you guys again soon. Next time you hear a post game from us, Michigan will have played Army, and hopefully we're talking 2-0 and a lot of improvements from the opening week of the year. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.